0: Welcome to Pop Psych 101,
1: where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad
0: and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts,
1: break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape.
0: We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy.
1: This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych One Hundred and One. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad Here, as always, with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello. Welcome back, Haley. I feel like I need a, a laugh track or, or something to kind of get us in the mood for ba, 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 ba. this slightly different episode. <laughs>
0: yes. You just need a, or a theme the song. Yeah. song, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because today we are going to be diving into a, a classic uh, 2000s sitcom, and that will be How I Met Your Mother.
0: Yeah, classic that did not hold up.
1: Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about all that. But specifically, we're going to be talking about a, a relevant to us yes. character arc or character or plot arc. Um, and that is, it's basically season seven, mm-hmm. but specifically the relationship between Robin and her therapist, Kevin. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole lot of thoughts about their relationship and and how Kevin is portrayed as a therapist and as a character on the show, which we are going to get into all of that stuff after the break. Yeah. But first, you know, one of the sort of ongoing gags in How I Met Your Mother uh in general and in this season specifically is like the gang just loves Halloween mm-hmm. and even though it's springtime here for us, it made me kind of reminisce about my own Halloween experiences. And I'm sure you've got good ones as well. Cause we see the gang kind of reminisce, especially Ted and Marshall and Lily. Cause they always have sort of like a a Mm three-way combined group costume. Mm -hmm. Did you ever do anything like that? Like group coordinated costumes? I feel like that's a very specific thing.
0: I have not done that, but I have a very funny story about a group costume. So, One time I was going to a party with friends and they were a couple and then they had a third friend and the three of them were going as the three blind mice. Nice. But the third person in their group was showing up later and I also happened to just throw a costume together and I was Minnie Mouse. And so I show up at their house and the two of them are blind mice and I'm Minnie Mouse. And we were like, this is so funny like we're all mice but the three of us are showing up at a party together and their third blind mouse is not so when we show up at this party they walk (laughs) in and then everybody's like oh funny two blind mice and then they see my ears and they go three blind mice and then they look at me and i go i misunderstood i was like i got (laughs) the wrong mouse and everybody was like oh well, you guys, this is fine. And then later when the (laughs) third blind mouse showed up, everyone was like, wait a minute. And they were like, yeah, no, Haley was messing with you. She's not a part of our costume. But that was just like really weirdly coincidental. And it was just so funny because everybody at the party was like, some people were like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. You guys clearly planned this. And other people were like feeling bad for me. (laughs) and It was just so funny because... I wasn't even a part of their costume. It was just a weird coincidence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. I love those kind of things where, yeah, right? yeah just because like who who you know because then that's like a running joke for years mm-hmm. probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Super funny. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I Halloween's one of my favorite holidays. You know, now that my daughter is old enough to like, oh, yeah, uh, pick out her costume. Like she always wants us to dress up. With her, so uh-huh. our our costumes are now all coordinated. Fun. So, this most recent Halloween, we went as like characters from the Descendants movies. Which, okay. if you are not familiar,
0: I am super familiar.
1: Yeah. So, for those of you who might not be familiar, The Descendants is like a Disney Channel movie uh-huh. series where like all the classic Disney villains had kids, and then those kids like go to school together uh-huh. and hijinks and Sue. So my daughter was one of those characters. I was, uh, so she was the daughter of Maleficent Mal is Uh, is her name. Kind of the main character. And I, of course, had to be Mal's father, who is Hades. So I got to be Hades. And then, of course, my wife didn't have to be Maleficent, Mal's mom. She got to be Mal's best friend, uh, which tells you everything you need to know about (laughs) our, our, our family dynamic.
0: That sounds funny.
1: And so that was a lot of fun. The other one we did, I guess that was two years ago, a year and a half ago, was Pokemon themed. She was Evie, I was okay. Ash, and and my wife was Misty. So that was a okay. lot of fun.
0: That makes sense. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, as, as a kid, I mean, the most memorable one is me and my friends all going as the Spice Girls, which feels so like fun. a very How I Met Your Mother type Oh, joke yeah. that I totally. wouldn't do as a kid now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I love all that stuff.
0: That always makes me think of Kristen Bell obviously as the voice of Anna in Frozen, but her daughter yes. for a few years made her dress up as Elsa.
1: Right. And it's
0: <laughs> so the daughter dressed up as Elsa and then also required Kristen Bell to dress up as Elsa and the photo. Naturally. Like, of, of Kristen just being like peeved about it is so funny to me, and I love it so much. <laughs> She's like, "I'm literally Anna. Like, you're gonna make me Elsa." So funny, though.
1: Yeah, but she she doesn't have to ask for much. Um, I'm always very eager to like yeah. go to the Halloween store and get whatever ridiculous stuff because it's fun. You oh, know, yeah, how often yeah. do you get to do that kind of stuff? Totally. Yeah. So we have a lot of goofy pictures, just like Ted has amassed of all his group costumes. with.
0: Next year, you guys can go with salt and pepper and cumin.
1: Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> a
0: reference to the epi- one of the episodes.
1: <laughs> yes, of course. You know, I, I think um, Bryn usually has grander designs than that. But yeah, <laughs> we could probably pull that off, too.
0: That's
1: so funny. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have little kind of group in jokes. And, and that's one thing that How I Met Your Mother does very well. And we're going to get into some of those in jokes and all the sort of trials and tribulations of Robin and her boyfriend slash therapist Kevin right after this break. Hey everyone, Ryan here No ad this week, but a quick request We would love to know where you follow us So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds While you're listening to today's episode Reach out to us on your social media of choice Say hi, say what's up Request an episode topic We would love to hear from you And now, back to the episode Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners.
0: We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound.
1: So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. How I Bet Your Mother is an American sitcom created by Craig Thomas and Carter Bays for CBS. The series follows the main character, Ted, and his group of friends in New York City. Ted, throughout the series, is obviously recounting to his kids how he met their mother. But we are focusing on Season 7, starting with Episode 4, The Stinson Missile Crisis. And in this episode and sort of the remainder of the season, we are focusing on Robin Scherbosky, who has been mandated to therapy after assaulting uh, a woman on the streets of New York City, which we find out because she is sort of meddling in Barney's relationship. So, Haley, we, you and I were talking before we started recording about how the sort of like reasoning for a character to uh-huh. go into therapy, especially in a sitcom, is, you know, often convoluted. It's never just like a normal thing like, oh, yeah, I've yeah. been struggling. I just, you know, thought it would be a good thing for me. It's it's always got to be some kind of crazy twisted plot device.
0: Yeah. And nobody ever chooses it for themselves. Like nobody is ever like, you know, I would really like to work with a therapist. It's always either court mandated like it is for Robin or in some other series we've watched their families have forced them into it or their employees have forced them into it or whatever um it's never just somebody like you know I think I'd like somebody to talk this through with <laughs> and yeah the way that they talk about it particularly on how i met your mother is a lot of like oh boy super embarrassing that she has a therapist um and there's one intro for i think the the second episode of her being in therapy where they're like, so it was 2011 and Aunt Robin was in therapy and it was actually going well. <laughs> and it was like, okay, yeah. like shocking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and so we and we get this sort of very stereotypical, especially like New York City therapist, right? Oh, Harvard, Princeton, Harvard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this very fancy office with very interesting decorations, kind of like fancy head horse, horse heads, tattoos. And, you know, so they set up this character of Kevin. And, you know, Robin is, you know, I, I think the one thing I did like about this initial thing is that it, she does this sort of very stereotypical thing where it's like, I don't need to be here. I don't like, this is crazy. Like, let me just talk about my friends because I do think for a lot of people, especially people in mandated circumstances, like I'd rather talk about anything, but the reason why I'm here.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So she does a pretty good job of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the first kind of few bits of her being in therapy are actually a humorous, but accurate representation of therapy.
1: Yes. Agreed.
0: Because She will go off on these tangents, which interestingly enough, as you watch the rest of the season, that's how the episodes actually go as well. So it's funny that that's kind of how they mirrored that with her therapy session. But the therapist, Kevin, does a really good job of letting her know that she's doing that. And he's like, you've gone off about your friends again. Like, how about we bring it back to what brings you here? And she like did had some insight and he was like exactly let's dive into those feelings instead of yes. going off about friends or whatever and she's like oh right my friends
1: <laughs> yeah but
0: yeah so in the beginning it was like really it was going really well and there was one point where she said and then i said blah 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 blah," and it was like this really like therapeutic response and he was like all right no like what did you really say though <laughs> which if you have a good rapport with somebody, which ultimately, obviously, they do have a good rapport, I think you are able to kind of be playful like that and call people out in that kind of direct but meaningful way. But then things just go off the rails.
1: Yeah. And and I think one of the things is that, you know, especially in an initial therapeutic relationship, like Robin is sort of trying to come across as a good person and, and, yeah. and maybe even impress him. Which I think is, you know, whether it's it's mandated or not, I think a lot of people hesitate to kind of go into the deep, dark, painful, uncomfortable stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a natural response to, you know, when someone is asking you questions about yourself, maybe to kind of minimize the extent of how difficult things are. Because it's whether it's fear of judgment, I mean, especially for someone in, the, in a first therapeutic experience, you know, naturally, even if they've been dealing with difficult things they want to feel good about like the story that they're telling right and and robin definitely does that consistently
0: yeah and i mean she does it by very rarely having herself be a main character it's always like listen to what everybody else was doing and then when she does interject what she's doing again it's this like glorified Therapeutic response that she gave, which right. is like that's not what you said. But I definitely think kind of what you were saying about somebody wanting to be really liked by their therapist. I think that that's typical and makes sense. It would be it's hard to feel comfortable sharing your soul uh, when the person you're sharing with you don't have at least a a general understanding, or as we would call it, a general rapport.
1: Yeah, and and like you said before, Kevin tries to to go deeper with her, and I think again we kind of have these sort of natural instincts of, even though she knows why she's in uh, in therapy, and she knows that Kevin is kind of getting close to the the reasons, the uh, painful, uncomfortable stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this sort of natural tendency to, um, well, you know, I'd rather talk about this, and and I don't know about you, but. I mean, sometimes that's a, a session by session trend for uh-huh. people yep. where it's like, you know, it takes 10, 15, 20 minutes into the session to kind of get into the the real work, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy initially, especially to, you know, oh, well, this is how the past week has been and and this is what's going on at work and these are the crazy things my kids did. And not that there's anything wrong, um, right, with talking about those things. But And I guess maybe that's a, a, I'm curious sort of how you handle that because Kevin does, I think, try to redirect, essentially call her out, you know, that she is not really talking about the reason that she's there. So how do you handle that? Let's say if, if someone is obviously avoiding the the content or the work that maybe would most benefit them.
0: Yeah, I think Robin only had two sessions, so I would let her sure. talk about her friends.
1: Of course, of course.
0: <laughs> he at one point says something like, oh, you were afraid that this would happen in the same way that... Oh, like your boss dismissed you in the same way that Barney dismissed you.
1: Yes, Or something yes. So like he's that. drawing connections for her.
0: Yeah, I would make um, comments like that. So I would, you know, start... Connecting their stories together, I would start giving these like therapeutic insights. And then I would ask the question that would let them get deeper into that, right? And instead of saying, like, oh, let's get deeper into that. Although sometimes I do say that, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, hold on, you just said something really powerful there. Do we want to go there? Do we want to mm-hmm. explore that a little bit more? But if somebody's as resistant and guarded as Robin is, and as somebody who watched the whole season uh, or the whole series, she doesn't get vulnerable and she is a very guarded person. I think you would have to spend a lot of time simply letting her use those walls as she needs them until she feels that she can like let them down. And it would be a lot of just like these little comments, these little connections, rather than, you know, busting through them.
1: Right, right. Because if you push too hard, then that's where the walls come back up, right? And yeah, you know, that's that's the balance that we, as the therapists, have to help our our patients find. Where, mm-hmm. of course, you can come in and talk about how the past week has been, and and start with sort of surface level things. Not necessarily our job to to force people to confront their deepest, darkest things once a week. But uh, to your point, you know, being able to. Uh, kind of pull or tease out uh, trends, um, patterns, things that we're noticing to just kind of check in on on whether it be like the patient's goal for like why they're coming in to talk today mm-hmm. um, or sort of more generally like, hey, I'm noticing that that you're doing this. Like, is that something that you're concerned about? Do we want to address that? Or are you happy just kind of using our time to talk about this today, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have to force anything else either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll frequently check in with goals. If So if if that kind of surface level conversation happens for a long time, I'll kind of check in and say, you know, is this a place where you just want to check in week to week? Is it just, you know, somewhere where you want space to just kind of be able to unwind? And if that's the case, great. Um, or is this the place that you want to kind of explore your personal journey a little bit more? And if so, how do you and I make that happen and kind of work with the person to figure out, like, do you want me to call you out when you're doing it? Do you want me to let it happen? Do you like what? And most people, when I have those conversations, if that is the direction they want to go, usually say like, yeah, like I want you to point it out when it's happening and then usually what happens is, I'm like, you're doing the thing again. And they're like, oh my God, I yeah, am. Yeah. But, you know, it usually becomes like a playful, yeah. in the way that I do therapy.
1: Yep, because I sure. do
0: therapy in a very playful way. And so I kind of like, I'm like, mm, interesting. What do you think you did there? And yep. people usually are like, I did, you know. Yeah, Robin's just a tough, I mean, she's a tough character. So I think she'd be a tough character in therapy. I think the show makes it wild because she explicitly only has two sessions, but, like, the rapport and the engagement and the discussion that they're having in the second one is just unheard of. <laughs> like, they're just, like,
1: right. <laughs> they, they
0: have this, like, good banter. And he when he says I can no longer work with you, she's like, oh, like, because I have a fear of abandon me, abandonment, what, you're going to abandon me now? Ha ha. And I'm like, okay, you guys could not have gotten from the first session to her being hyper aware of her fear of abandonment and the role that his – presence plays in that, you know, like it was just, it was super interesting the way they kind of like fast forwarded that so that they could get through the plot point.
1: Right. And, and, and I get, and we can, we can fast forward along with them, right? Because that's the sort of whiplash that we experience from, from session one to two to Mm -hmm. then dating basically is that's how quickly they get into a relationship. So I thought it was, it'd be useful to kind of look at how, they portray that transition, right? So, whether there it's implied that maybe there were more sessions in between and this relationship has built up or not.
0: No, they explicitly say that she only had gave him two hours of vulnerability.
1: Well, that's the exactly right. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so that was their second and only other session. Yeah. So Kevin uh, makes up the excuse that he's like going to Alaska. To Alaska I think yeah. right.
0: Sorry, yes. gotta move to Alaska.
1: Right. So. What was your reaction? Because, you know, as soon as it sort of became clear um, shortly thereafter that he uh, was actually not seeing her anymore because he was attracted to her. Mm-hmm. What was your initial reaction to the fact that he lied?
0: So before we jump into that,
1: even before, I that, just want to yes.
0: discuss that discharge. So
1: yes, please. Yes.
0: Can you imagine a therapist just being like, oh, by the way, this isn't working out. We're going to have to stop. And this is our last session. And that's the statement. I can understand, like, it's perfectly common that a therapist will say, like, so this will be our last session. That's a perfectly common thing, especially if somebody has reached the limits of their knowledge or their ability or whatever to be effective. That is definitely a conversation that can be had. However, you don't just go, like, Oh yeah, sorry, like I'm leaving, yeah, I'm going to Alaska. Bye. Um, it would be more yep. of like a um usually like right off the bat at the beginning of the session. So I needed to let you know, like I have been sent to Alaska and therefore I'll have to terminate with you today. Um, how do you feel about that? What you know, like and then process right. it. <laughs> but he literally is just like peace out and then and that's obviously wild and then he like appears in a diner a little bit later and isn't in Alaska.
1: Well, right. And and so obviously we have this problematic discharge, but yeah. <laughs> even if he was discharging her because he was attracted to her, which I guess is that's that's what the the honest claims, reason was. Yeah. Um there, there would have been other ways to communicate that, right? Yes. And, you know, I think... And, and obviously, we're also leaving out that if he was actually discharging her, that there would have been conversations and work around, but since you're mandated, here is your referral to see someone else in this practice or some other solution. Like, it would not be possible for her to literally just be left hanging, no. especially if she's mandated. Like, there are all yeah. sorts of... Um, issues with that reality
0: yeah normally it's if it's mandated it's like here are your other referrals if it's not mandated it's would you like me to give you other ones that's right yeah yeah so that was wild but then to go to kind of what your original question was this idea of him being attracted to her Um, my immediate reaction. So the way that they present it. So he walks into this diner and she's like, what you lied to me, what's happening? And he was like, I couldn't keep seeing you because I was attracted to you. And that exact phrase, because I was attracted to you, didn't sit well with me because that's not a reason for a therapist to discharge with a patient. It's, it's simply in and of itself. It's simply not a reason in the same way where a Patient, uh, a therapist has motherly feelings for a child or feels like a friend to a patient, or I'm blanking on another example, but that type of like feeling emotionally intimate or feeling physically attracted to a patient is not enough to warrant having to terminate with a patient. Now, what is important is for that therapist to be checking in about those relational and emotional experiences if they feel that it's kind of mm-hmm. questionable, their ability to kind of like maintain the appropriate boundaries and and not let those feelings enga- like affect the therapeutic relationship. The first step is to get consultation about it. So what that means, you'll hear – therapists use this phrase a lot. But basically what it means is talk to another professional who can kind of talk you through it and be like, let's get a third party look on this. Are you maintaining your boundaries? Can you continue to treat this person effectively? Um what is the damage of abandoning them? You know, do you talk to them about it? Do you not? Now, I don't know that a th- therapist would tell their patient that they're attracted to them. I can't see a situation where that would be therapeutically beneficial, but a situation where like a I guess it's called countertransference could be discussed. Sure. Is where someone would say like, well, I noticed you pull these motherly feelings out of me. Like I want to protect you like your mom. And sometimes that can say like, do you think you pull this out of other people? you know, and things like that. And it can help them explore their relationships outside of the room. But I've talked for a long time to kind of say that attraction in and of itself is simply not a reason unless that reason is getting in the way of the therapeutic relationship.
1: Right. So a lot of things might be happening behind the scenes of of this sort of clinical example. Mm -hmm. You know, we would hope that uh, Kevin would have a supervisor that he would consult with over this decision.
0: Just imagine just like two sessions, um, though. (laughs) Sorry? Just like two sessions. Like oh god I'm so in love with well, her yeah. I can't I can't work <laughs> with her anymore It's yes. like whoa I can't think you possibly need a see her again. about your own therapist discussing yeah well,
1: well it's and, and well, it becomes clear over the season you know that he's got you know maybe inadequacy ish- issues or issues about his own mother and yeah. and things like that but um, but yeah I'm with you on the sort of the value of communicating to Robin that this was the reason why he had to stop seeing her. You know, because think about her sort of psychological reaction to that. Uh-huh. I have uh, romantic or, or, you know, physical attraction feelings towards you. And I had to never see you again. I mean, we talk yeah. about narratives that are, you know, painful and, and problematic in terms of how people, you know, react to to interpersonal uh, circumstances. Like that would be a tough one. Yeah. Um, And and obviously Robin is uh, uh, disappointed by this outcome in the sense that, well, she wants to see him now. Like, like she started to form this good relationship with him, Mm -hmm. knows that he's attracted to her and, you know, more or less immediately suggests that they have a date, even though Kevin, I mean, he doesn't resist very much, but um, he gives the sort of classical Uh, like ethical appropriate ethically appropriate response of like you know I saw you as a patient you were vulnerable with me it wouldn't be appropriate Mm -hmm. and the thing that struck me it's it's almost funny with how little he like resisted the invitation but she was just like oh well what what's a date what if we just sat down next to each other and had a meal independently with each other Mm -hmm. and he's like okay you talked me into it and it's like Wow. Um your boundaries didn't really exist at all then. <laughs>
0: yeah, no. And <laughs> also like
1: If that's all it took was like yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and also like it that's also not appropriate. Right? right. So, exactly. if he was yes. ethically aware enough that he would <laughs> end it after two sessions and being just like head over heels attracted to her, um he would then know, like, I if I can't maintain those ethical boundaries in the room, I'm certainly not going to maintain them in this in this diner, and so he would have been like, "That sounds lovely." However, it is ethically inappropriate for me to do that, um, and I don't know about um, your like ethics board and your licensing board, but for ours, so the APA it's two, two years is like the time difference between ending your therapeutic relationship and being allowed to have a a different type of relationship with somebody. However, like mm-hmm. personally, like two years is not long enough. <laughs> like, Like I worked with people two years ago that I still very much have like a therapeutic affection for them. And I'm like, you don't just get like, rid of that in two years and then the like secondary thing to that like ethical requirement is basically you have to be able to quote unquote prove that there is no longer this um therapeutic power differential which a, I don't necessarily know that that's totally possible to prove. I was going to
1: say, how how, how how could we be even be confident that that proof exists? Absolutely,
0: yeah. and then also particularly the way Kevin is presented in this friend group, it certainly would not disappear because they're constantly being like, "Oh, Kevin, the therapist. Kevin, the therapist. Kevin, yep. the therapist." And so, like, it's constantly the center of his identity in this friend group, which means. It has to be the center of identity. Maybe not the center of identity, but a large portion of his identity in Robin's brain, um, particularly since he was her therapist. Right. Yeah. Wild.
1: And, you know, they they try. They try to acknowledge why it's unethical uh-huh. in, like, the initial stages of their relationship, you know, where their their intimacy is increasing and... Robin is all of a sudden very uncomfortable and and we could understand why. Mm-hmm. And Kevin names it. It's like, she's been vulnerable with him. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but all of the friends are very appropriately being like, ah, this is, this is weird. This is wrong. Barney, who I think we both acknowledge is like a hugely problematic character 10 years later, yeah. even calls it out as like, You know, it's one thing to be a fake therapist and pretend to, to Uh get, you know, uh, women this way, but to do it for real, bro,
0: like a step too far. Yeah. uh Yeah. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. And I was sitting there being like, yeah, no, it's creepy. Like, yeah. Particularly like the, this again, I know I've brought this up a bunch, but like the speed with which. That it was represented. And then also like what what I really was annoyed by was they bring this up, right? And they make it pretty central for an episode of like, here's why dating your therapist is a problem. Yes. And then they quote unquote solve it by Robin being like, oh, that's fine. I'll just be your therapist for two hours. And basically what she says to him is, like, you owe me two hours of vulnerability. And, like, great, but, like, no. (laughs) Like, it's not, it's simply not the same.
1: (laughs) It's just a transaction. You just need to, to have the scales be rebalanced and then everything's fine. Is that not how it works?
0: Which, like, I do agree I will often say to my patients, like, this isn't a friendship because if it was a friendship, you would be hearing about my stuff too and that doesn't happen. That's right. Um, However, like, if I were to share with a patient, like, here's personal issues that came up for me and that's why I had to miss the appointment, I'm thinking things that I might share would be like the passing or illness of a family member or something like that.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: If I, like, shared that with a patient that doesn't now make us friends (laughs) like there's still this this power differential quite frankly which like therapeutically we try to like limit that as much as possible however it still exists one person is still paying another person or the government is paying that person on your behalf in robin's case probably but although she probably has to pay for it herself but yeah it like it was they normalized it in this super weird way by being like cool we'll just reverse therapy you and then we'll be fine and it <laughs> won't matter anymore and then you can switch yeah. to being just a therapist in our friend group rather than being robin's therapist
1: yeah and <laughs> you know i i think because i think what what is problematic about it for me also is like this this idea of vulnerability being something that is like unique to the therapist patient relationship Uh uh-huh and it's like no like if if he was not a therapist it would be normal relationship building for them to be vulnerable with each other why does it have to be like oh now i'm your therapist and and you now open up to me about your mom in a very stereotypical way Uh and then uh, then we're even, right? We're good. And it's like, well, I get what they're trying to say, but shouldn't these be conversations be happening whether he's a therapist or not? Like aren't they supposed to be learning about each other? So it just feels so kind of twisted that you know we're we're naming things like therapeutic or or like as part of this specific relationship Well, which obviously it is, but you know, through the lens of this frankly unethical relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think and then the that switch to like him being the therapist in the friend group, there's a, a yes. few moments where Robin has either these like flashbacks to childhood or these like suggestions of, I don't know, like mental health stuff or like personal struggles. Yeah. And he will make these like side comments of like, no, she's not crazy. And it's like, oh, gross. Like you're still yep. kind of keeping him as the person diagnosing her. Ew. Stop it. <laughs> Both in general as like a therapist in a friend group, but also it's doubly weird by the fact that like when he was her therapist, he acted like her friend, and now that he's her friend, he acts like her therapist. Like it's this it can't be done. It can't be done like that. I'm sure there are no. where it is done in an ethical way. But boy seems wild
1: yeah (laughs) super wild you know and so (laughs) it's it's hard but sort of like okay if we accept that they dealt with the unethical nature of this relationship and now it's just a therapist dating a a former patient like that's that's a reality and look
0: transition it too Cool, we've accepted it. Let's move on to the next portion. Yeah, great. (laughs) And
1: look, I mean, I think we we have to acknowledge that unfortunately this this does happen in real life. Um that doesn't make it good or okay or or frankly funny (laughs) on its own, but but they have to kind of like sitcomize it, which is a right, a word I just made up.
0: Uh
1: And and you know yeah it's 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 an ongoing challenge and it it sort of reminds me of uh, a question that i had uh sent you that i saw in in quora which is this idea sort of more generally like Mm -hmm. about the sort of therapist patient like attachment piece right Mm -hmm. and and you were talking about this a little bit before of you know does a therapist just discharge their patient if if they have feelings for them you know or or vice versa right if a patient uh fell in love or had feelings toward their therapist mm-hmm. would that then result in a discharge and obviously there's no to your point before there's sort of there's no one like hard and fast rule i think it is something that has to be looked at in terms of how it is impacting the therapeutic relationship yeah. would you say so
0: 100 yeah. percent. and the link you sent me the kind of main answer was this one person being like no, 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 absolutely do not discharge. This is exactly what you want so that you can work through it. And I'm like, okay, hold on, whoa. I think any hard and fast rule like that is not beneficial because like maybe they become so focused on their attraction for the therapist that it actually stops the movement in therapy. And then it's not necessarily the most beneficial thing, right? It might be more beneficial to work with somebody else about your feelings for this therapist um, and how you got there because sometimes the therapist themselves being the object of the affection cannot work. It's like when you're fighting with a partner and sometimes you're like, I need to just talk to my friend about it first so that I can then go back and talk to my partner about it. Sure but in the therapeutic way, right? Like if you get a, you're attracted to your therapist, sometimes your therapist isn't the right person to work that out with you, but sometimes they are. So I think it's fantastic for a person who has noticed that like their thoughts about their therapist, either romantically or in a friend way or something like that. Um, when those kind of thoughts start to pop up more regularly, I think it's totally appropriate and also like therapeutically beneficial to tell your therapist. And then a really, I want to choose my words carefully, but a really like good therapist would be able to like work through that with you and wouldn't be freaked out by it and wouldn't be put off by it. Now, that being said, if you are bleeding into the territories of being a stalker, or dangerous, or aggressive, or any of those things, then it also is their responsibility to end the relationship with you out of their own safety. But again, attraction itself, not a reason to discharge.
1: Yeah. And to sort of follow up on your point, like any feelings that you have toward or or against your therapist.
0: Particularly anger.
1: Yeah, that is good stuff to share. Important yeah. stuff to share. I love it when um, people are like
0: I'm kind of mad at you. I'm like, "Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about great. what I did. Let's work through it." Yeah.
1: Right. And 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 in a in a non-reactive, like totally supportive, like this is it's an important and and a good thing that you told me this because yeah. um you know, that that might offer the opportunity to kind of work on an interpersonal pattern that you don't get the opportunity to work on in your life otherwise. Yeah. So that's why there is no hard and fast rule per se. And that's why supervision and all these sorts of outlets for, you know, let's make sure this is working. Let's make sure this is uh, appropriate are are taken throughout this, you know, therapy process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, and, and I also kind of wanted to take a step back in a broad sense because it's always wild to me when I'm watching a sitcom that plays through like heavy therapy and mental health themes because like sometimes obviously they, they, they nail certain things about what it's like to be a therapist or like tropes about passively analyzing your friend group Ugh. funny no problem but then there's <laughs> stuff about it where i don't know if i'm like uh or like and obviously they're cringy with the unethical stuff because it just feels like that's sort of uh it's a trope right it's uh-huh. like the therapist as we've talked about you know on sort of drama shows it's like oh do they have a drug or alcohol problem or yeah. oh or are like they the sleeping patient? with a patient yeah. or oh are they you know what other kind of dual relationships can they have
0: yeah Yeah, I think the part for me that is incredibly frustrating in this sense, so in How I Met Your Mother with Kevin, was they made him such a buzzkill. And they did it by having him be a therapist. And I was like, this sucks so like basically anytime they were doing any of their shenanigans which i agree like their shenanigans fall in like inappropriate patterns um however like that's the show yeah He, he would kind of come in and be like here's why this is inappropriate or i'm not gonna say that you guys are being codependent and whatever now and then there was one point where when Barney's trying to get them to let him take his ducky tie off and they're all trying to like figure out like, should he trade it for slaps? Should they let him take it off? And then he comes in with this, like, Oh, well, I notice that it's intriguing that suddenly you want to take it off now when you haven't wanted to take it off for weeks, which I think is a totally natural, clever observation for any person. Yeah. However, they like, organized it around the fact that he was the therapist like the way that they well, made it's, him it it's say the therapist
1: it like, as psychic or the yes. therapist as detective right yes like yeah. they
0: were like they made him say it like here's my human behavioral observation rather than like yep. yo dude why now you know yep and mm-hmm. i was just like so Annoyed because I was like, "This is the typical like perpetuating that therapists are analyzing you in social society." And like, like I've said before on this podcast and in life, is your accountant doing your taxes at dinner? Your therapist also not doing therapy at dinner. Some do, <laughs> but like I would, <laughs> I would argue that most do not.
1: Yeah, I I think you nailed it because you know I think both of us are it like it's such a tough thing because on one hand, I am glad anytime uh, a show or a movie is like taking a stab at mental health representation <laughs> and therapy representation. It's like, yes, good. Let's get this as close to a normal thing as possible. Um, but when in, in trying to make it normal, they also try to dramatize it or try to twist it or try to make it scandalous, then it's like, well, are we actually doing a disservice mm-hmm. to you know what therapy is and what it's supposed to be as much as we are maybe normalizing because I I liked the episode when they're, you know, oh like this is what denial mm-hmm. is, oh, this is what narcissism is, this is what codependence is. It's like, okay, that's yeah. that's kind of cool. Like in a in a casual, funny, like, you know, obviously all these characters are very much extreme versions of people. Uh-huh. So naturally it's it makes sense to apply certain types of analysis or, or diagnosis even to their circumstances.
0: But is it doing a disservice? Was that your question?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so.
0: Um, Yeah. I definitely think that it's doing a disservice to the idea of therapy. And I think that kind of ties back into the thing that I said earlier of how it's rare to have a character just join therapy. It's always this like punishment of some kind. And then we kind of portray therapists either as these like people who can't control themselves or as these like Uber professionals who can't turn it off and aren't really, are like somehow like ultra human and are like manipulative or um, overly observant or kind of some kind of superpower. There's very seldom a representation of, a person going to therapy with another person who's simply trained in the thing that they're doing. And I think I, one thing that we've kind of suggested and hinted at is that this series did not age well at all. Like the misogyny and some of the jokes are very awful. And I'm kind of wondering and hoping that like, maybe our take on therapy has kind of grown a little bit because what, continues to come to my mind is in um, uh, the show, this is us and yeah. this is us. One of the characters chooses to go to therapy and it's like a good therapeutic relationship. And then he also chooses to change therapists, which is done really beautifully. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping like that the more modern ones are like, doing better with it and being more realistic with it maybe because the way that we talk about therapy in general is more accessible and common. But um, I do think that the kind of way that like this talks about it is definitely a disservice. And then pairing it with like unethical. Yeah. Choices. And
1: I do think you're right. I know there are like better modern examples of it and and some of which we've covered on our show and some of which we we hope to cover in the future. And you know, I think it's okay that it's funny. It's okay that therapy and mental health stuff is funny. I would say it's even uh-huh. important that it sometimes gets framed that way. I agree. But I think the thing I was coming back to was like, well, why couldn't they have an arc on a sitcom where, you know, Robin goes into therapy and like learns how her, you know, relationship with her dad affects the men she chooses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because and and it's like well the problem is because sitcoms like characters don't change. Mm. Ted is Ted for ten seasons.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, mm, (laughs) I would I would disagree. And the only reason I would I mean it's
1: it's not a hard and fast rule, but that's just like
0: but think about sort of what what feels right. So
1: yeah, but yeah, his but his change change feels like
0: dating Robin. Like, seriously dating Robin.
1: Does he change, though?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they have these, like, conversations. Like, even in one of the episodes in this Kevin journey, Barney is able to, like, turn down this relationship with this beautiful woman because he realizes he's in love with Robin. And, like, yes, that sends him into a spiral when Robin doesn't break up with Kevin.
1: Right, right.
0: But there is some growth there. Um, I don't really remember how it ends ends because that the last season was just, I blocked it out of my mind. Um, But I think there's some growth there, but I do agree with you. Like all the rest of them, there's like very, like Ted stays Ted the whole time, annoying as he is. And then um, Marshall and Lily, like they are actually like a mostly healthy couple the whole time.
1: Yeah, oh, totally.
0: Like, th- that also doesn't change. So I think you're right. Like, I think except for Barney becoming less repulsive, um, they don't really change.
1: Yeah, well, and and to, to refresh your memory, you know, like the way that this series ends is Barney has, uh, as a, has a kid. He's basically a, a single dad. Mm-hmm. So like that part of him, I guess they try to frame as him sort of learning and growing. Mm-hmm. But you know, other than being a dad, they still kind of frame him as like wanting to party and wanting to do all these things. So
0: that's
1: really. So I think that's sort of the interesting thing for me. And I guess you know there are more complex uh, shows where it can be funny and also sort of let's say closer to reality. So you know, I think I'm just kind of hoping for, that we get more of that.
0: I think like a an episode where so they have the discussion where it's creepy that she's dating her therapist. I think they could have had an episode where they took his whole arc and put it into one right where he's like psychoanalyzing them at dinner and like diagnosing them and all these things. And then eventually her, like their relationship ending because he's had his license taken away and et cetera, et cetera. And then it like fell apart. Oh yeah. Inappropriate. Like that could still have been very funny because Part of this series and most series, uh, like comedy series, the relationships are these chaotic, destructive relationships. And so that could have easily been represented in a more, I was going to say realistic, but in a more ethical way, I think, like being held ethically accountable way. Because I unfortunately don't think that this is not realistic. But if we're going by like the expected standards,
1: yeah, well and, and I don't know if you remember this from watching the the whole series, but the like flashback or flash forward when like the series end finally hits is like oh sort of catching up with these random characters. Kevin is again dating a patient, but it's oh, like one of Ted's crazy exes.
0: Oh funny. Of course.
1: Yeah. So so
0: He only dates Ted's exes. <laughs>
1: yeah so i guess it's like okay well at least they're being consistent with like this is just the kind of maybe not so great unethical kind of therapist this is what he does yeah yeah sure which like okay you know um at least they they stuck with that pattern but Mm -hmm. man it's it's just tough
0: yeah which in a drama would speak to a power differential trip
1: (laughs) yes 100 percent. this is not a drama yeah
0: I think that they they played it pretty funny, except for the fact that, like, there was one, like, th- therapist joke that I thought was very funny when <laughs> Lily was like, you watched an episode of Survivor without me? And they were like, Survivor guilt. And I was yes. like, that's funny. <laughs> um, but the other ones I felt like weren't, like, I didn't feel like his being a therapist added to the plot or comedy in any way
1: well right that's actually one of the things i wanted to ask you because there's the whole episode about like how and this is like a very much like a therapy trope of like oh like you date your mom or you date Uh your dad and that feels like the kind of thing that someone acting as a therapist might say um because it's like you know not that there's not a kernel of truth to it but it's just like oh wow they they really are trying to hammer this this like idea, yeah. this, um, what would you call it? Like a therapy, almost like colloquialism or a therapy.
0: Literally a trope.
1: <laughs> a trope, yes. Yeah. And just sort of stretch it out to how it applies to every single character in the show.
0: Uh, I don't even know if I have a comment about that. Yep. That's a trope that they play well, out. Well, <laughs> do you agree
1: that people tend to date their parents? Okay. Is, that, is Should yeah, we I go there?
0: I <laughs> so I think that. People tend to either look for values that align with theirs or fall into behavioral patterns that are comfortable. Right. I think those tend to be the two general paths that people take when they're not actively thinking about it. Um, and so, if what you're comfortable with or what you value is the relational patterns that you grew up with, then yeah, you're going to end up finding people who hold similar behavioral patterns to your parents. However, like I, I think that that's, it's so much more complicated than that because, you know, other relationships teach you what you like and don't like in relationships, whether that's friendships or teachers or therapists or uh, romantic relationships or siblings, right? Whatever it is, those relationships also teach you, what you want in life, what you are looking for, what you're not looking for, etc. And so like no, I don't think people always date their parents unless there's something about that relationship that's either comfortable or valuable or both. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and 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 but that's not uh that's not catchy enough for a sitcom episode.
0: <laughs> no. And also it's not like Instagram worthy, you know? Like I feel like a lot of these sure. like takes on humanity, yep. right? Are like, they have to be like TikTok or Instagram worthy. Everyone who has ADHD looks like this or everybody oh takes their parents yeah. or everybody da da da. And quite frankly, it's like, well, no. A lot of people in today's world have ADHD symptoms because of how we engage with media, social media and technology. Yep. Doesn't mean that you actually have it.
1: That's right. But the like
0: TikTok worthy <laughs> nature of these broad but direct definitions I think makes them more interesting. And and I'm not saying it's a modern thing either, right? Cuz this idea of like you date your mom or you date your dad is oh, like it's so old, right? Yeah. That's it's like literally freudian.
1: That's right. <laughs> but
0: yeah. Not as interesting to be like, well, there's more intricacies and you'd have to know the person well, it's deeper complicated, to know right. if they're actually codependent. <laughs> you know, like a 30 minute yep. TV show is like, no, we got to make the joke. So we're going to have Marshall making out with his dad, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the sort of balance that we're, we're hoping people you know, especially people in the media, people, whether it's in people on social media or people making media are, are able to kind of walk a little bit more thoughtfully of can we make this a little bit more, I, I almost said deep, but I think I, I, I you know, I, I liked your idea of like, well, no, can, couldn't we deal with the, a little bit more of the reality of Kevin's decision here, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's, he would be, get his license revoked or, you know, it would have sort of more direct and obvious Uh, impacts on their relationship relationship, yeah yeah yeah
0: like her feel like an easy joke to be able to play would be like they're having pillow talk and then afterwards she like feels like an urge to like pay him for it or or if they're having pillow talk and then he goes well that's our time and he like gets up to go make coffee like that would have been a really easy way to play the same joke but also like, yeah, maintaining so, so a what we're
1: saying is, you know, writers of, of, of Hollywood, <laughs> you should hire Haley and I to help oh my God, help write your therapist scenes,
0: please. My goodness. Dream come true. <laughs>
1: that, that would be fun. Oh, that would gosh. be a lot of fun. I would
0: love to be a writer in a writer's room. Yeah. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Everybody's staying into our souls now. See, your therapists yeah. are people too.
1: <laughs> That's right. Imagine that. <laughs>
0: That's so funny.
1: It's a tough thing. You know, it's a tough thing to for us to break down and, and, you know, we've sort of hinted at it, but the degree to which maybe we were entertained by some of this <laughs> 10 years ago and today is probably quite different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Particularly this show. Well, and also, like I was saying to you, like I'm currently watching How I Met Your Father, right? The updated version. Hmm. It's got a very similar and also very different vibe, which I think is... Clever, because the way that it's different is way more modern. And I think it also does change it up when the central character is female rather than male. Oh, sure. Particularly, you know, 10 or so years later. I think that that's also an important aspect of it. I loved it when it was live and, you know, I was watching it every week until the final season. I hated the final season. But yeah, li- watching it again today, I was like, "Oh, I don't feel good about these words that they're using." Nope. <laughs>
1: yeah. Not not hardly at all. No. Yeah. Well, and and that's, you know, where we can look back and say, "Wow, well, we we hope a lot of things have changed about the sort of things that we find entertaining, and hopefully we've learned about sort of, you know, ways to to helpfully and comedically portray, um, issues of mental health. So with that, Haley, why don't we get into some, some reviews of this, how I met your mother plot arc.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So on a scale of five staplers as trick-or-treater objects, staplers as (laughs) trick-or-treater objects, (laughs) how accurate do you feel mental health therapists etc were represented by this arc in season seven of how I met your mother
1: so there were little bites that uh, I liked uh, in terms of the, like how accurate a initial you know uh, especially mandated therapy session might be mm-hmm. but and I you know and we're also acknowledging that yes, Unfortunately, therapists have ended up in relationships with their patients. That's why these ethics rules exist, is because we've seen how uh, bad it can go. But all that being said, like this is a sitcom on CBS that kind of happens in 24 minutes. So it's not very accurate, and I don't think people should be surprised that we would say that. So on a scale from 1 to 5, I would say... You know, I will give the Kevin Robin arc an accuracy of like 2.4. Oh,
0: my gosh. You're so much more generous than me.
1: Okay. I mean...
0: (laughs) I mean, if you think two staplers plus a set of staples, you can give them that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean... yeah, I guess that does feel generous. I'm sticking with it just because I want to I want to be consistent, but I love but that. But yeah, no, please please uh please rebut.
0: Yeah, I would give it a one ish.
1: Just a solid 1.
0: Yeah, like I feel like I'm not sure if I should take some staples out of the one or give a few extra staples <laughs> to the one. But yeah, I felt like the only things that were well represented were the um, him doing therapy in that first time that they meet. That's like the only thing I think that was done. Well, I don't think they represented a therapist well in a friend group. I don't think they represented mm. how a therapy relate, like how a relationship after therapy would likely go well. Um, they kind of never brought it up again. So I was like, I don't think they gave us enough good work. I did laugh that in when he's painting the yellow room, the way that he's going about talking about them is very much what you and I do on this podcast. I was like, oh, that's me and Ryan on the podcast. Well, yeah, (laughs) and I think
1: I think that's that's where my brain's going and sort of reviewing this is like that first session, which, Uh you know, mostly felt like a therapy session. And then those sort of some of those little moments that just felt like kind of, I guess, close to home. But yeah, everything everything outside of that, I think you're right, is is yeah. really problematic.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because I would never do that with my friends. Like what I do on this podcast right. and what I do in the therapy room, I do not do out of these contexts. I o- I'm only a psychologist when I'm psychologisting.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, okay. So um, in that case, let's think about how entertaining this is. And, and I will sh- uh, stress... How entertaining it is today? Okay, because that's when that we're thinking about it, and that's when we're watching it. Yeah. So on a scale of let's see, zero to five, Weird Al Yankovic concert. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> on a scale of zero, oh, excuse me, let's try oh, this again. <laughs> try it um, time. On a scale of one to five, <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic uh, parody songs or concerts. Mm-hmm. How entertaining do you find? How I met your mother today.
0: Today. I will give it a 3.75. I love the show. I think it's very quirky. I like the relationships. The characters, except for Ted, are really enjoyable. But it does not hold up. And it actually ruined it a lot for me. Because there are a lot of really misogynistic and thereabouts jokes. And I was disappointed every time one of those jokes was made. And unfortunately, that's like entirely Barney's character. Um, Not entirely Barney's character, but largely Barney's character. But then also, interestingly enough like Ted and Robin and and some of the other characters would also make comments within that regard as well and I was just like what is happening like how was this only 10ish years ago like it feel those kind of jokes feel so ancient and so that truly made it less entertaining for me but if you take gro- like if you add growth to it like pretend that like They grew out of that. And those jokes weren't there. I find it wonderful. Um, I think the little quirks and tidbits are just really stupid, but in like a silly way, like at the concert that they're at the weird, I don't think it's no, not the weird out concert. They went to a concert, just um, Ted and Marshall and Lillian where Ted and Marshall just do like the circles between the women's room and their section. I just was like, this is so dumb, but like, it was just so silly and enjoyable to watch what they did with it. But yeah, it doesn't hold up.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, and and it's 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 tough for me because this for a long time was like a comfort show, like very much like the uh, the Office or Scrubs. And now the more I watch these shows, and then, and frankly, including The Office and and Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother, there's something that feels like it's changed. I don't know if if I've changed or if. We, the people, culture have changed, hopefully for the better, but certain things about some of these characters or the way, you know, we we joke and the way we have like also like 20, 25 minute sitcoms, mm-hmm. something feels like it's really shifted in whether it's like the types of characters that we root for or the types of things that we find funny and something is not as comforting as it used to be, I have to say. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's actually quite yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Like there were a lot of Barney jokes where I was sitting there being like, I don't like that I'm participating in this show. Like I like truly was just yep. like, I mm-hmm. don't want to be here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. And and maybe that's okay. You know, maybe maybe the we learn from these shows and maybe how I met your father will do better.
0: But it also speaks to how you and I have grown. Right, so like, yeah, totally. Have said that this was a show that was meaningful to us ten years ago. Yep. I always remember thinking that Barney was like inappropriate, but not to the extent that I feel now. Which, like, thankfully, you and I have grown. Like, thank goodness, this is how change happens. This is how we we. Well, right. And Barney
1: used to be a character I felt like I could laugh at. Like I wasn't laughing with him being misogynistic and sexist and all these sorts of things. Uh But I felt like I could laugh at him. Like, oh, how ridiculous this character is. But now it's like, oh, no, it's it's like
0: we were rolling our eyes at him. Yeah, we were rolling our eyes at him. And now it's like, no, like uh, someone wrote this joke and thought it was funny. (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's part of it, too. Yeah, yeah. so so but that's OK. And, and, and it's a good thing that we're learning and it's a good thing that our uh, tastes are changing, right? Yeah, if even if goodness. yeah, we, we should be evolving. Yes. So uh, we will continue to look at um, sitcoms, I hope, because I think it's a good kind of reflection of um, like the moment of how we are thinking about and portraying You know culture as well and obviously we we hope that mental health is a an appropriate part of like cultural uh discourse so yeah we here's hoping that it continues to be a positive one
0: i hope so too awesome
1: so with that we are going to wrap up our episode for today so thank you all so much for listening as always as always feel free to send us suggestions um we are always excited to do things that our audience suggests to us. So, thank you always for those. Yep.
0: And follow us at Pop Psych 101 on the socials. And we'll talk at you soon. Bye.
1: Bye.